Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, presented by Game On Wisconsin. Jamal Williams, I consider him a friend. It's not a rivalry if the other team doesn't win. Now, in the Game On Wisconsin studios, here's your host, Jacob Westendorf. Game on Wisconsin is brought to you by Artec Ventures. The goal at Artec Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. Visit ArtecVentures.com for more info. ArtecVentures.com, indeed. Thank you for making this show possible. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. I am your host. Jacob Westendorf. And in addition to our tech ventures, this show is brought to you by Matthew Stafford, the artist of the pick six. That is just a gift that continues to keep on giving throughout the course of the season. This show tonight is not just me, but it's the show that all of America and some other countries have been asking for. I am joined by my right-hand man, Todd Varney. And I was waiting for applause there. I guess we didn't get any. I just kind of assumed it came along with everything, but Todd, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. I am a little disappointed that the uh, live audience that we don't have isn't applauding for me. So if you could throw in uh, that applause track, that'd be great when you edit this, as well as maybe some laugh tracks throughout. Um, I'll give you a, a hand signal so you know where to add those at as we go through. And I will be sure to do that along with a laugh track for any of the many hilarious jokes that I'm sure you are going to tell <clears throat> throughout the portion of this show, but let's jump right in. The Packers beat the Minnesota Vikings and have the number one seed in the NFC throughout the NFC playoffs. The road to the Super Bowl for the second consecutive year will run through Lambeau Field. More on that in just a minute. The first question I've been asking all the Game On contributors when they've come through here for the first time, just kind of give us your start at Game On and, and how that's grown and kind of what you do with us now. Yeah, so I uh, started actually as a writer uh, brought on by Jason Perrone way back when. Um, I think he just got tired of reading the long text messages I was sending him and was like, could you just, if you're going to write something this long for me, just put in an article, we'll, we'll throw it up. Um, throughout all of that, I expressed interest in wanting to do a podcast and you guys paired up Jimmy Christensen, Dan Kotnick and myself to do Lombardi's Bar. And uh, it's just kind of taken off from there. That it has not only a co-host for Lombardi's Bar, but also on the MVS show. And do want to give a, a thank you to MVS for helping us and coming through this season uh, and spending some time with us. Obviously, unfortunately, had to uh, cut a couple episodes here at the end of the season as MVS was dealing with some personal issues. But appreciative of him. And you have a couple of uh, forever fans here at Game On Wisconsin, regardless of if you're in green, maybe not Chicago, but if you go yeah. – some other place in your career at some point, I'll definitely be a big fan of Marquez Valdez Scantling, but a lot knowing, going there. Yeah. Knowing what we know about him uh, and his feelings towards cold weather. I don't know that Chicago is in his future. 
No, I have a feeling if he's going to play in cold weather, it's going to be in Green Bay. Otherwise, he's on the first plane ticket to Florida or Texas or somewhere, a domed stadium to where they're not playing in the cold like that. But a lot of time between now and then, hopefully he gets a nice fancy Super Bowl ring before that and then a contract extension because I don't have to worry about the salary cap, so I can want every single person on the team back as far as I'm concerned. Speaking of guys that we want back, regardless of the salary cap, I would assume that is Aaron Rodgers for most of you that are listening to this show. And we had some comments today. Rodgers did his weekly segment on the McAfee show. He made some allusion to the fact that he thinks he may not be able to win the MVP award uh, because of his vaccination status. Of course, for the quick recap for you guys, beginning of the season, he says, yeah, I'm immunized test positive for COVID in November, comes out he's not vaccinated, and then he comes out and says, yeah, he takes responsibility for misleading people, and then goes into a lot of different stuff that was pretty controversial as far as his feelings toward the COVID-19 vaccine and treatment and, and all kinds of other stuff that has kind of come out since then. So Roger says that, everybody's kind of like, well, yeah, but how are they going to not vote for him? And I thought it was at least a plausible theory. There's nobody in the world, I think, more petty than a journalist that holds a vote. And Todd, something I could tell you about that that you'll agree with, I think, is the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, an example I can give is uh, the way that Major League Baseball writers are voting for players that have failed steroid tests on their, on their resume. Alex Rodriguez, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, players of that ilk are not getting, Manny Ramirez are not getting votes Barry Bonds. for the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds, maybe the greatest player ever, not getting votes for the Hall of Fame. David Ortiz, because writers like him, is. I think somebody said through X amount of ballots, he looks like he's going to be somebody who's going to get in. What's the difference between those guys that have a failed drug test and David Ortiz, who has a failed drug test? Likeability. That's it. Roger Clemens is kind of an ass. Kurt Schilling has said a lot of really wild things. Alex Rodriguez is probably the least genuine human that I have ever witnessed on any sort of media, but David Ortiz is likable and they all failed a drug test. Now with Rogers, Hub Arkish today took to 670 to score the uh, Parkins and Spiegel show and said he would not vote for Aaron Rodgers for MVP for a variety of reasons. Number one says he's a bad guy, says that he had his offseason dramatics and that hurt the team and among uh, just a few other things, but says he will not be voting for Aaron Rodgers for MVP. So Todd, you just found out about this a little bit ago. I just want to get some raw reaction on those comments and, and anybody else who may share that same opinion. Yeah. I mean, it, again, it, it cracks me up because these writers who I'm throwing up air quotes, journalistic integrity uh, is what they, they like to believe in and stand on their soapbox about, but yet they're going to go completely off base when they want to and bring it back in when they, when they want to use that, that little uh, medium for themselves. So it, it cracks me up on that part. As far as not voting for Aaron Rodgers for MVP, there's a couple of guys. I, I don't think it's Tom Brady this year. Um, I could see Jonathan Taylor getting it, especially if he has a big week uh, in week 18 and Aaron Rodgers plays a half of football. Um, recency bias could come in on that one. And I don't know that I would blame anybody for voting for Jonathan Taylor. I think he's had an amazing season and is 
definitely carrying that team without him on that team. Uh, Carson Wentz isn't doing uh, any of this as far as the, the record goes. So I could see that happening, but to come out and say that you're not going to vote for him because of the off season, which hurt the team, which again, as you and I mentioned just before we jumped on here, um, they've got the number one seed wrapped up here in week 17. They will be having a first round buy and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I don't know that that's necessarily a team that's been hurt by Rogers off the field uh, incident or, or uh, actions. As far as the immunization thing go, like he came back, he, he was accountable. He said, yeah, you know what? I, I'll take responsibility for misleading. Um, and you move forward from there. The rest of his comments on McAfee, if you don't understand what that's all about, you don't understand how media works, how ratings work, and how these people get paid. It is a forced question every single week that Pat McAfee brings up because he knows that the majority of people who aren't listening to his show will at least take that soundbite and talk about his show. And in this, in, in that business, there's no such thing as bad press, um, especially if you're as big as as Pat McAfee is. So he's going to feed that up because again, that's what the majority of people who are casual listeners are going to pull out and that's where he's going to get ratings. And that's why he just got the payday that he did being Pat McAfee. That he did. And yeah, my, my thoughts on it are, I've said the same thing and Tim Backus has said it for weeks and I will echo his sentiments that Aaron Rodgers is the league MVP. The only way that somebody's not voting for him is for non-football reasons. And all those reasons Arkish mentioned are non-football reasons. Now, I will say if a player was in some legal trouble or something like that throughout the offseason, then I would understand not wanting to reward that player uh, with an on-field sort of accomplishment. Uh, for example, you know, 20-ish years ago, well, not that long ago, but 15 years ago, you had the Ben Roethlisberger offseason. You know, that is something where if Roethlisberger followed that offseason up with a season like the one Rodgers is having, I would understand not voting for that player for the league's most valuable player award. Aaron Rodgers, okay, played his leverage, could call it diva-ish, and I think it kind of was. I even said as much during the course of the offseason that I was tired of him kind of dodging questions and stuff like that when he could just say, yeah, I want to come back. No, I don't want to come back. Didn't do that. But otherwise, it wasn't anything from a legal standpoint. Now, you can argue that, he should get the COVID-19 vaccine. And, and I'm somebody who believes that you should, but he has his reasons for not getting it. That's not a crime. On the other side of things, if Aaron Rodgers is a bad guy and the biggest jerk in the league, which is, those are Arcus's quotes, not mine. What exactly is Tom Brady, who would be the feasible other person uh, that, that they might vote for? Certainly Jonathan Taylor, Joe Burrow, but I'm going to use Brady as an example. We all saw Antonio Brown this weekend take his shirt off and run off the field. And this is also a way for me to tell all the Packer fans that wanted this dude on their team. I told you so. So indulge me here for just a minute. But he was only a buck because of Tom Brady. He was only a Patriot because of Tom Brady. And he got cut from New England, which pissed off Brady because Belichick was tired of answering questions about, oh, what was alleged sexual assault? That's a crime. Beating up delivery drivers, that's a crime. Not paying vendors, that's not a crime, but it's shady as all holy hell. And now you add in that Antonio Brown had a fake vaccination card. Again, 
Say what you will about the COVID vaccine. That is a federal crime. Tom Brady vouched for that dude. And his whole nonsense on Sunday about give this guy some sympathy, hope he gets help, blah, blah, blah. That's all bullshit. It is a deflection because Brady knows that the general public and people with a brain know that that dude is only in Tampa Bay because of Tom Brady. And Bruce Arians said he screws up once he's gone. Well, when Brady told him, no, 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 no. You're not cutting him. We need him. Chris Godwin's out for the season. We need him. Kept him. And then Arians turns around and says, I don't really give a shit what anybody thinks. He helps this team win. Well, (laughs) after all that antics on Sunday, he still helps the team win, doesn't he? So Arians goes back on his word. Brady goes back on his word. I just, this is where I don't like the phrasing of stick to sports. But when it comes to voting for a sports award, again, not legal troubles withstanding, stick to sports. Aaron Rodgers is the best player in the league. And you just mentioned, Todd, the Packers, it hurt the team. Okay, they got blown out in week one. Are you really still using that as an example 17 weeks later? They are the best team in the NFC. They're arguably the best team in the NFL. And maybe, not all because of the Packers, but maybe a bigger favorite to go to the Super Bowl this year than they were last year when they had home field advantage as well. There is nothing that Hub Arkish can say to justify this. And in my opinion, if people in the media that are voting for this award are like him, they should lose that vote. Any thoughts before we move on to something else? No, I think you summed it up pretty good. I mean, Aaron Rodgers wasn't in legal trouble, wasn't suspended. Um, His... He never lied to his teammates. He never lied to the organization. They all knew his vaccination status. Uh, so again, it would be different if he were in there, you know, not, you know, leading his own teammates to believe that he was vaccinated, putting them in, in danger. But as far as, you know, anybody knows outside of his press conferences in which they were socially distanced, he was following uh, the COVID protocols to the letter of the law. I, I, I'm not concerned if, if people, like you said, if they don't want to vote for him because of stuff like that and because of his off season, like he's the first player to use some leverage to try and get a new contract or get some, some certainty on their future um, and bully their way into what they want. Ultimately he's playing this year. He's playing great this year. Uh, and he's got the team in a position to go to a Super Bowl. I'm not concerned at all. Uh, I think he'll be the, the hands down MVP there's a couple of guys that are talking like this. And I think that it's just a, a matter of time before the rest of the voters go, okay, well that means that we have to vote for him now to make sure he gets it because he is the, the rightful MVP. I'll give one more quote. And this is from March 14th, 2019 from Habarkish. This says, why can't fans separate actual analysis from fanboy talk? I like the Packers and hope they're back in the hunt this year, but Haha Clinton Dix is a more complete safety and a better player than Adrian Amos. Just deal with it, guys. Telling the truth isn't a slap at the Packers. So, number one, laughably wrong. Haha Clinton Dix is not in the NFL anymore, and Adrian Amos is one of the best players on a pretty good Packers defense. Number two. That's not true. I think Haha Clinton Dix started this week. Oh, good for Haha. Okay, so there you go. That's how. That's how relevant Haha Clinton Dix is. I can tell you this. He's been on several teams since being in Chicago for the Bears getting that better player than Adrian Amos was. Number two, that's fanboy talk. 
not voting for Aaron Rodgers is 100% a thing because Hub Arkish is a Bears fan and covers the Bears and lives in Chicago. And I know that because I've listened to him for a very long time being from where I'm from. So, sorry, Hub. That's a joke. We need to move on. And we are going to move on. The Packers are the number one seed in the NFC, like I mentioned, even though Aaron Rodgers destroyed their team from the inside out this offseason. Number one with a game left to play. They will play the Detroit Lions this weekend, which has led to the question of rest versus rust. Rodgers and company said they're going to play. Rodgers says he wants to play. Adam says he wants to play. Matt LaFleur has said he feels like they're going to play. But, Todd, I've put you in charge of the Packers. Number one, God help us all. Number two, are you playing all of them? Are you playing none of them? What's your approach to this game on Sunday? Uh, I'm playing everybody is is going to be how that works at least for the first half you've got the first round by um one on the offensive line we don't have anyone else to play so the the five guys that are there are the guys that are going to be playing uh because there's just no one else left and also if you're going to have aaron Rodgers in the game you're going to have your best five available linemen blocking for him you're going to get a half out of Aaron Rodgers uh, just to try, if nothing else, to to maintain some of that little bit of consistency that he's got and to get some more time with these receivers. Obviously, he's not practicing uh, as normal as he you know, has in the past or that you would like a guy to be, and I don't see that changing a whole lot here down uh, the stretch of the playoffs. So just to help keep these guys in rhythm, they're going to have that extra week off. Um, and we've seen what they looked like coming out week one this year, uh, without, you know, playing very much in the preseason. He didn't play at all in the preseason. They've looked bad coming out from bye weeks the last two years, granted coming off of the first round by in the playoffs last year, they looked pretty damn good against the Rams. Um, but that's what one in three <laughs> coming out of, out of layovers. So I want everybody out there playing this week if they can, uh, at least for half the game. You start pulling guys, uh, you know, get Devontae out there um, out of the game, get Jones and Dylan a few reps, get get Rodgers out as soon as you can. But I think definitely have them those guys play a half and go from there. Yeah, I'm with you. I would play the guys. And I think it's it depends on who your team, right? It depends on who those guys are. Nobody knows the team better than Matt LaFleur. There are examples, the 2011 Packers basically punted on the last game of the season, came out and laid an egg against the Giants two weeks later. Then you add in, there are other teams that have done that, but there are also teams in 2009, the Indianapolis Colts punted on 16 and 0 famously and took almost an entire month off. They still went to the Super Bowl. The Philadelphia Eagles under Andy Reid after Terrell Owens got hurt, they had everything clinched, basically took a month off, still went to the Super Bowl. So it depends on your team and who they are. And I do wonder if week one is playing at least somewhat into Matt LaFleur's mindset and Rodgers and Adams really by extension and how they're going to approach this. But I am with you. I would play these guys. I wouldn't play them for the whole game. Like you said, get them some reps, make them start fast and get them out of the game after, you know, you're up 14 to three or something like that early in the game, something like that. And let Jordan Love get some reps and do some of that stuff. But like you said, it's not, it's also, they can't just not, it's not like the preseason when there's 90 guys, there's only 53 of them, 55 if you include COVID elevation. So you can't just sit them all 
and say, here are my 25 best players and none of them are going to play. I think they sat an average of 30 guys during the preseason. You can't do that now because these guys need to play and there just aren't enough uh, inactive spots for them to not play. So they're going to have to play. And I think that they will. And I think that's the right decision. Ultimately what LaFleur said in his press conference on Monday was like, if it works out, then you're a genius. If somebody gets hurt, then they're asking, why did you do that? If it doesn't work out either way, there's going to be questions as to why the Packers did what they did. What they are going to do is go to the postseason, and in three weeks they'll be playing somebody. We don't know who yet. It'll be at Lambeau Field, and we don't know what day yet. But you look at the NFC playoff picture, and if you'd asked me at this time last week, what team scares you the most? My answer might have been the Dallas Cowboys. We're on a roll. They had beaten up on the Washington football team. They they have a lot of good players on that roster, obviously. And then Dallas comes out and they lose a, a home game where they're still fighting for the number one seed against an Arizona team that had lost three games in a row. Arizona, obviously, had lost three games in a row and looked pretty damn good. Tampa Bay is surviving to beat the New York Jets and have Antonio Brown running through the end zone without a shirt on, trying to pump up the crowd with an alleged injured ankle. I... I ask all that now and say of those teams that we're talking about, which one worries you the most if the Packers were to match up with them in a playoff game? You know, I I'm torn between the Rams and the Cowboys. And I think it's the Cowboys still, they've got a ton of firepower on offense. Um, They can, they can beat you different ways. They've got a great offensive line. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They've got, two dynamic wide receivers. Uh, and I think Dak's at the point where he's ready to make that next step. Um, I, I think he has to, if he's going to ma- remain in the conversation of elite quarterbacks or, or really solidify himself. I don't know that he's in that conversation yet, but I know several people are putting him there. So to get to that point, I think he needs to uh, take that step. And I think this team can, they also have a, a really tough defense. Um, that's got playmakers at each level. So I think they've got the most ways to beat a team uh, and, and they can they can play with anybody. I think they just ran into a team here um, that was due for a win. I mean, Arizona's not a bad team. I don't think they're as good as their early season record led them to believe. They reminded me a lot of uh, the 2020 Pittsburgh Steelers who were the last remaining undefeated team, I believe, and then ended up losing like four or five out of their next handful of games. So um, I think Arizona was due for a game. I think the the Cowboys just kind of lost focus for a minute. Uh, and honestly, it's probably a fireable offense uh, for Jerry Jones to get Mike McCarthy out the door. Which is being said solely because you are going to have to get a tattoo very soon. Are you not? Uh, look, it's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of games left to play. It's a long off season. A lot could happen, uh, with Mike McCarthy and his future. Uh, and it's Jerry Jones. You never know. He's, he's a wild card down there in Dallas. So I'm not willing to, to give Mike McCarthy a pass for starting season three quite yet. And what, uh, what is this bet by the way, if McCarthy starts season three, then you have to what again, get a tattoo of a bowl of mashed potatoes on my ass. I don't understand. I got to give you credit, Todd, because there's a lot of bets that you make and most of them involve embarrassing the hell out of yourself. And you've paid up so far 
on all of them. And you're, I think you're in line to lose the Lombardi's bar bets as well, which will lead to time in a 24 hour diner where one hour it's shaved off by each pancake that you eat throughout the course of the day. And now you add in on September 10th or whatever day the season starts next year. If Mike McCarthy is roaming the sidelines in Dallas, it's a mashed potato tattoo appointment. And I, <laughs> I just would love to have, you have to explain that to a stranger someday. So I, <laughs> I, I give you credit. Uh, my answer Dallas and Tampa are the two teams that I come to and Tampa is strictly because they have Tom Brady and Tom Brady's continued success, despite being a snake oil salesman has me continue to believe that there is no God or at least one that is very, very much trying to punish me throughout the course of my sports life here. And I'm not sure why, but that is the way that it is. Tampa, I know that they just lost Brown. They don't have Godwin, so their weaponry is depleted a little bit, but they still have Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller as backups. Those guys are pretty good. Mike Evans is obviously pretty good, and they have Rob Gronkowski along with Tom Brady, who how many times have you seen Brady come into a playoff game where he's supposedly outgunned and win the game? And they've done that over and over again. Tampa's defense, though, not as good as it was last year, and I just mentioned their offensive weaponry not where it was a year ago. And we'll talk about some of these injured guys here in a second to where Green Bay matches up better with them than they did a year ago. Dallas, it's just a matter of can they get that pass rush home against Green Bay enough? And I'm just not sure because if you look at – Jake Morley brought up to me the other day, two of Dallas's top three corners lead the NFL in yards given up per play. That's not good, obviously. And that's really not good when you're facing Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. and and Mr. Diggs has had a very good season as far as getting interceptions and stuff, but he's given up over a thousand yards in coverage this season. And I think Devontae Adams cooks him. I I want to see that matchup so bad. I want to see them try to shadow Devontae Adams with Diggs just to see how poorly that works out for the kid. Because it's not going to go well. No, it's not. And and to you know, Diggs's credit here, it doesn't really work out for any corner when you go one on one with Devontae Adams. But if chalk holds in the first round of the playoffs, as we see right now, the Rams and the bucks will face each other in LA in the second round. And the Dallas Cowboys will be coming to green Bay for the divisional round. And that is if chalk holds, which doesn't always happen last year, the Rams were the sixth seed. They went into Seattle and beat the Seahawks and upsets seem to happen on wildcard weekend relatively frequently. So that's something we could see. Wouldn't surprise me if Arizona beat the Cowboys, that would be the matchup right now. And San Francisco is a team that they have that Super Bowl pedigree. And you think that, you know, maybe they could just get a game where Nick Bosa just wrecks Matthew Stafford or Dak Prescott or Tom Brady and just are able to find their way into the second round. But I say all that, and San Francisco is not even guaranteed to make the playoffs. If the Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Company pointed out, if the betting favorites win this weekend, the 49ers will miss the playoffs which is incredible to me considering, you know, just what, two weeks ago, people were talking about them as the most dangerous team in the NFC, and now they may not even make the playoffs. Say that again, because I don't think my brain registered what you just said. Right. So if, so the 49ers play the Rams. If the Rams win and the Saints win their game against Atlanta, the 49ers will miss the playoffs. 
that is incredible to me and something that I said this a few weeks ago. If the 49ers miss the playoffs, Kyle Shanahan should be on a hot seat. He won't be, but he should be. And they got a lot going on there in San Francisco. But it's crazy because if you told me that San Francisco made the playoffs and beat Tampa in the first round, I wouldn't be floored by that. But they may not even have an opportunity to do that. And the Rams have something to play for. The Rams win. They are the two seed. They lose. They can drop as low as four. You don't want that. So if you do that, then obviously you're facing the five seed, which is the best of the wild card teams. And that's probably the Cardinals with the Cardinals being a division opponent that you'd have to play for a third time. You want to avoid that. If you can, instead of playing the seven seed, which right now is slated to either be the new Orleans saints who are playing a tight end at quarterback or the Philadelphia Eagles who are probably the worst team in this year's playoffs. If the playoffs shake out that way. So you definitely want that. If you're the Rams, they have something to play for, but as far as worries, all those games are going to be in Green Bay. I'm not saying I guarantee anything. I watched the Packers lose an NFC championship game last year in Green Bay. I've seen them lose home playoff games. It's not what it used to be at Lambeau Field when we were kids. And you basically said, okay, if we play Favre at Lambeau, we're going home. It's not that way anymore. But the Packers still win 90% of their home games. And I like their chances if they are, in fact, the number one seed, which they are. What are the injured group? We just talked about that a little bit as to why the Packers – might match up a little bit better with a team like Tampa Bay. Jair Alexander and David Bakhtiari, both guys are slated to practice this week. Alexander, when he comes back from COVID and Bakhtiari, Matt LaFleur said on Monday is slated to practice this week. Also said in an ideal world, you get those guys reps before the playoffs, which leads me to believe they're going to try and I don't want to say push, but if there's a way to get those guys on the field, I think they're going to try and do it. You add in Billy Turner, who was just placed on the COVID list today, Josh Myers, Zadarius Smith. There's a lot of guys the Packers have that are potentially back for the postseason. So I'm asking you now, Todd, of those guys I just mentioned, which ones do you expect to come back and play for Green Bay at some point this season? Honestly, I don't know that I expect any of them to come back and play this season. Um, I would like to see them all come back. David Bakhtiari, I feel like we felt early on in the summer last year that he was doing really good in his recovery. And all of a sudden people expected him to hit that like awkward eight month window that some freaks of nature, uh, Adrian Peterson, for instance, came back from, from the injury uh, that quick. Rarely does that happen. This is a, a 12-month injury that uh, New Year's Eve, just what, five days ago, was a year uh, from when he, he tore that ACL. Plus, he had a setback with another surgery in there to clean some stuff up. And when you think about a guy of David Bakhtiari's size and how an offensive tackle uses his legs for leverage, I don't know that I see that happening and the way that this line has been holding up, why risk if he's not a hundred percent ready to come back and play, why risk bringing him back at this point um, and potentially losing time next year if he re-injures. So I don't know that I expect him with Jair. The feeling there was we're going to give this a few weeks and see where he's at. And they've been giving it a few weeks and a few weeks and a few weeks. Uh, and the fact that he's not back yet tells me that 
the shoulder hasn't gotten much better. And the only way that he's going to play is if they absolutely need him. Now that might be part of the reason too, is the secondary has been playing pretty damn good without him. So maybe it's been in their mind that like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to hold off on him until that shoulder, give that shoulder as much time as possible, but we do want to get him some reps before the playoffs. That could be a, a, a situation there too. But I feel like kind of the common thing that we hear from these guys is if you're healthy, you're playing, uh, which would lead me to believe that he's not healthy. Billy Turner, just watching him walk off the field against Chicago, uh, I'm surprised that that guy's going to be playing again this year at all um, if they if they trot him back out there. He, he looked like he was pretty beat up from it, so it'll be interesting to see him come back out. And Zadarius, who knows? I mean, one week he's with the team and everything's great, and he's tweeting that he's feeling amazing. And then you don't hear from him for three weeks and it turns out he's not even with the team anymore. And then just came back last week. So again, as a a 36 year old with back issues, I will tell you some days my back feels great. Other days I wake up uh, and it's awful. I'm a, I, and I'm nowhere near, uh, you know, using my back in the ways that he does. So I can only assume that it's a similar thing there he doesn't know how it's going to feel when he wakes up the next day. Uh, so I, I would be surprised to see him come back too. Yeah. And I didn't even mention Randall Cobb, but I think I'm pretty safe in assuming that he's going to be back. Roger said that he felt like if this were a playoff game on Sunday against Minnesota, he would have been fighting to play. So I wonder if it's even possible if they see him on, on Sunday, I don't think that is going to be the case. I think if he is back, it'll be for the divisional round. Z, I've been pretty steadfast on. I I just don't know. I don't know. That whole situation's been weird. It's been weird all year. It leads me to believe there's more than meets the eye on that particular situation, and I think you need to prepare. And Zadarius Smith is one of my favorite players, but I think you need to prepare yourself, everybody, that his last game as a Packer was week one against New Orleans. And even if he does come back, I'm pretty confident that these are going to be his last few games as a Packer here down the stretch. Josh Myers, which Todd, you didn't touch on, but I don't expect to see him at all. Uh, This is a guy who suffered an injury. It was in October. They've kind of been hush hush on him. And at this point, he'll be a rookie playing his seventh or eighth game. Is he that much better than Lucas Patrick, who I know Lucas Patrick's not great, but he's kind of been there, done that for that sort of things. Do you want Josh Myers making a potential, not just injured player mistake, but an injured player that's also a rookie mistake in a postseason type of setting, I don't know. Bakhtiari and Alexander are interesting just because of the way that LaFleur talked about them on Monday. And I do think, I hope, I guess maybe this is hope, that there's been a plan for Bakhtiari all along. Like you said, he just passed his one-year mark. We'll see how he's able to participate this week in practice. If he's able, the worry, obviously, is that he's been able in the past and then he wasn't practicing for a stretch. He hasn't practiced in two weeks now. And this would be, this would have been week number three. So maybe the thought is to have him practice this week, rehab again over the bye, and see if he's able to practice uh, when the Packers are leading up to play in their divisional round game, which could be on Saturday or Sunday. So that could be a big difference in having that one fewer day for their rehab type of games. Let me ask you that too. If Bakhtiari is able to practice and you say he's a limited-ish type of player, say the Packers and Bakhtiari have decided, hey, I'm good enough. I'm not good, but I'm good enough. Are you okay with playing him having not played in the regular season in the playoffs over Yosh Nyman? 
I'm honestly not the, the way that this offensive line is held up. I mean, it's a system of cohesion at this point and the communication that goes into it, you know, how much, how much time is Bakhtiari spent playing next to, to John Runyon jr. Um, you know, it's, I, I would guess not a ton. So you're going to have him two guys playing next to each other who haven't played a ton next to each other communication that isn't there with that. I mean, there's just so many other things that go into it where you've got a team here uh, and, and a package up front that there's nobody that really blows you away and how good they can be and how good they are, but they're all playing damn good right now. So I, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and if David Bakhtiari, you know, when we were talking a couple weeks ago on Lombardi's bar with Joe Thomas, you know, he was saying, hell, even just going from, you know, mini camp and OTAs into training camp. There's, it takes a couple of, of, you know, days to knock some of that rust off going from a bye week It, it takes, you know, a few snaps to knock that rust off. You're talking about a year that this guy hasn't played and you're just going to trot him out there in a playoff game and go, eh, just like riding a bike, man, you'll get it. It might be those first few plays blocking Aaron Rodgers' backside of a game that, that make or break that game. Yep. Um, you know, while he's busy knocking that rust off. So if you don't get him in there this week to do some of that and, and to get some of those, you know, protections down in the communication, I, I say no. Yeah. That's the tough one. Uh, I've, it's been likened a lot and I've, I've made the same comparison to Chad Clifton in 2011, where he didn't play for so long, came back in a playoff game against the giants and was not himself. And that game obviously had a lot of things go wrong with it. But Clifton not being able to be Chad Clifton was certainly one of them. And David Bakhtiari, if he's playing, if he's not David Bakhtiari, he's still very good. If he's like Aaron Rodgers said, 80% of the big giraffe is better than a lot of people. But when that other person is Josh Nyman, who's played really well, I mean, I get it. Bakhtiari is a gold jacket player. This is where you almost have to trust Lafleur and the medical staff and everything like that as to what exactly is going to happen uh, on that side of things. So It'll be interesting to see how it works. I look forward to the practice report tomorrow to see if Bakhtiari was limited full. My guess is he'll be limited, but I don't know. I don't know anything anymore. I thought Bakhtiari was going to be back a couple of weeks ago, and obviously he wasn't. So this is where we're at now. And this is where we're going to be. And LaFleur said on, on Sunday that, you know, we're just uh, – until those guys are back, we're rolling with what we have. And what we have is good enough to win a title. My last topic of the night, Todd, is, is inspired – by Antonio Brown. And my question is, if you were to ever quit game on Wisconsin, will you do anything similar? Will your exit be similar to the way that Antonio Brown was? And how would that go? Wow. Uh, that's a loaded question. I don't know. I don't think but, I have enough. A good answer is like, I never want to quit. I love it here. Everything like that. But, you know, well, you're going to you're going to push me out eventually. I mean, (laughs) a a star can only shine so bright in in a galaxy this size. Um, So obviously either grow the galaxy or, you know, the four letter network is going to be calling. Probably Um, it's just what you've got on your hands. You've got to deal with that that beast that you've created. Um, I don't know that I have enough important passwords to the company to really. um Antonio Brown, this thing, um, you will be in the favorable spot though, 
of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is you don't have to say anything after I make that exit. You just point and go, I mean, we knew this guy was nuts. We knew he was a head case. Obviously, this is what's happening. It is what it is. I hope he gets help. Uh, and and that's where you're going to be. So it's a good spot for you to just shut up and let me burn my own house down uh, and, and, you know, just kind of hang out. All right. That is our final topic for the night. But Todd, I did want to give you an opportunity uh, here at the end here, because today you mentioned something along the lines of like, what's the best thing you did in 2021? So a chance to kind of speak about what your best thing from 2021 is and why that's important to you. Yeah. So the best thing I did for myself this year uh, was finally start taking my mental health serious. I know if you listen to uh, pretty much any content that I put out there, it's generally poking fun at at me and my my fragile mental state uh, that varies depending on the time of the day. So I finally took it serious this year, um, started seeing a therapist, a therapist, um, did a couple other weird things that are out there. I highly recommend uh, a combo ceremony. If it's something that you're interested in or curious about, hit me up at the Todd V. Um, it, it was it was really beneficial. And just going through the process, um, you know, and, and doing some of that hard work and finally taking it serious, being able to get uh, a number of things aligned for myself, uh, taking this more serious, which is hard to believe that I actually take this serious. Um, my, my career, my physical health, my relationships, everything, uh, has, has completely changed since I really started addressing that. Uh, so it's, it's something I highly recommend, um, as well as, you know, just finding out what other things people did that they're proud of last year. I've kind of been asking that to anyone I've hung out with over the past few weeks. And it's been, uh, an interesting number of answers that I've gotten back. And now Jacob, I'm going to throw it at you. What did you do in 2021 that you are the most proud of? Oh, wow. He put me on the spot. I suppose I put you on the spot with that question, but you'd already answered it today. So, um, you know, I, I think that the biggest thing that I have is I, I do believe that, that this group, not that we weren't collaborative before, but just it became a little more collaborative of getting some ideas, allowing some different people to kind of have some leadership spots, uh, maybe some stuff I wasn't too comfortable with prior to uh, just kind of learning to trust some different people, yourself included, um, from with that group. So uh, that's what that's where I would go uh, on that end of things. And also just being willing to listen to like, I mean, I know I said this earlier when you made your Twitter post, but you know, talking about what you said there, I can vouch for it a hundred percent. Um, you know, not to share too much about personal conversations, but I remember you sent me a message that said, Hey, I'm going to stop making fun of you as much as I do. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, is everything okay? Like what, what happened or like, why? Or, you know, it was kind of a, it just kind of caught me off guard. And then you went into your reasons as to why mostly related to, you know, some of that stuff that you were just talking about. So um, being willing to kind of help with some of that stuff and, and try and, and help not just you, but other people in those types of situations as much as I can. So that's mine. We're out of time here for this edition of the pick six podcast brought to you by our tech ventures and Matthew Stafford, of course, uh, and also brought to you by discover green Bay brought to you by, uh, the wilderness resort and lakefront brewery. Everybody, thank you to our sponsors for helping us all season long. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Westdorf. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, Game On Wisconsin or Game On WI. Todd, where can the beautiful people find you? 
Uh, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Todd V. Go ahead and give me a follow uh, and be ready for all kinds of crazy, insightful uh, tweets and insight and everything. I'm just, I don't know what direction I'm going anymore. It's crazy. I'm excited for 2022. 2022 is going to be a good year. Hopefully we get a big, nice, shiny Vince Lombardi trophy by the end of the year. I can promise you this. Since the inception of Game On Wisconsin, the Green Bay Packers have never not been the number one seed in the NFC and had home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. So I'm not saying that we deserve all the credit for that, but I'm going to take some. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. Until then, I'll be back next week here on this show previewing a a Packers playoff game. So that's a lot of fun. And talking about who some of their potential matchups and stuff could be in wildcard weekend. It's the last game of the season. Thank you guys that have listened to us all season long. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening and go pack. Go.